Welcome to Alexander Mabry's Tales from the Tower. My name is Elliot Randall Wood. The Mystery of the Celtic Triangle, Part 2. It's the 9th of November, 1979. The me decade was coming to an end and the yuppie decade, as the 1980s would become known, was less than two months away. 1979 had been an eventful year for the United Kingdom. Back in May, the Conservative Party had had a landslide victory in the general election, giving them a 43-seat majority in the House of Commons and making Margaret Thatcher the first female Prime Minister of the country. In August, Lord Mountbatten of Burma, his 15-year-old nephew and a boat boy were all assassinated by an IRA bomb whilst holidaying in the Republic of Ireland. And on the 2nd of September, police found the body of 20-year-old Barbara Leach in an alleyway near Bradford. She would later become known as the 12th victim of the mass murderer the papers had dubbed the Yorkshire Ripper. But when Scottish forestry worker Bob Taylor woke on the morning of the 9th of November, it was just another day much like any other. And the big events of the year were just headlines he'd read whilst drinking his morning coffee. He certainly didn't expect to be making the front pages himself as he and Brun, his trusty Jack Russell, headed out to work that morning. In fact, for most of the day, it was exactly as he'd expected it to be. Until he'd got to Deckmont Woods late that afternoon. Bob pulled his truck into his usual parking space at the side of a road near the M8 motorway and started along the forest path up the side of Deckmont Woods with his dog. Brun knew the way, so she wasn't on a lead. Usually, she would take advantage of this freedom to check out all the places rats and mice like to hide, and if she was lucky, she'd find a couple of new friends to uh, play with. But this time, she was hesitant to even leave the truck, let alone go into the woods. But with a little bribery in the form of her favourite rabbit-flavoured treats and promises of finding a couple of rodent-shaped playmates, she came around and the pair headed off. They'd been walking no more than five or six minutes when Brun suddenly shot off towards a clearing. I wonder what she spotted, Bob thought. And so he started after her. A minute or so later, he'd caught up with the dog. She was stood on the edge of the clearing and as still as a statue. Bob called her. She didn't return. So he called her again. But she remained glued to the spot, just staring into the clearing. As Bob moved closer, he suddenly saw what Brun was looking at. And it wasn't a rat. Bob Taylor would later describe what he'd seen as a flying dome that was seven yards or 
about six and a half metres in diameter. When asked by police to draw it, it had a striking resemblance to what had been drawn by the children of Broadhaven over two years previous. Now, for those unfamiliar with the geography of mainland Britain, it is made up of three separate nations. England, the home of Big Ben, the Houses of Parliament and Buckingham Palace. Wales, the home of dragons, medieval castles and the children of Broadhaven. And Scotland, the home of Haggis, Edinburgh Castle and Bob Taylor. Bob lived over 400 miles or eight hours drive away from Broadhaven. In order for Bob to get to Broadhaven, he'd have to leave Scotland, drive south through England and then head west through Wales. Therefore, the likelihood of him having seen the drawings made by the children in Miss Evans's class are slim at best. Bob Taylor's experience with the UFO in Dechmont Woods was not a friendly one. In his police statement, he described the UFO as being made of a dark metallic material with a rough texture, like that of sandpaper. He also said it featured an outer rim that was set with a series of small propellers that he believed is what allowed it to hover. Bob also described a foul odour, like the smell of burning brakes, and that the main vessel launched a number of smaller spheres that reminded him of sea mines. It was these mine-like orbs that would come to attach themselves to Bob and drag him along the forest floor towards the mothership. That was the last thing Bob Taylor remembers before passing out. When he finally came round, several hours had passed. Bob's clothes were torn and muddy. He had cuts to his face, back and legs that was caused by the orbs dragging him along the floor. Brun, his trusty companion, was missing. He pulled himself to his feet and made his way back down the path to his truck, hopeful that Brun would be waiting for him there. She wasn't. So he climbed into the cab, placed the keys in the ignition and turned it. Nothing. Not even a splutter, just silence. When Bob's truck was later removed by police, they would discover the entire engine to be missing. Yet there was no evidence of how anyone could have taken it. With his body bloodied and bruised, his dog missing and his truck unable to start, Bob had no choice but to walk the six miles home. The police launched an investigation in an attempt to try and find out exactly what happened to Bob Taylor. They found ladder-shaped marks in the ground where Bob said he'd seen the large spherical object and other markings that could only have been caused by something about the same shape and size of a man being dragged along the ground. Police would later record the matter as a criminal assault, although nobody has ever been charged in connection with what happened. The Berwyn Mountains, 
Broadhaven and Deckmont Woods are now the three points that create what has become known as the Celtic Triangle. And over the years, more unexplained phenomenon has occurred within the Triangle than anywhere else in the United Kingdom. For example, the Coombs family were employed to work at Ripperston Farm in St Bride's near Broadhaven and had a number of very strange experiences during their time there. Among these were sightings of UFOs from their car, a seven-foot silver-suited being with a black visor appeared outside their window. They had constant mechanical disturbances, including problems with their car and television set, and whole herds of cows were seemingly being teleported from one field to another. In the 1990s, various witnesses who claimed to have been part of a secret recovery operation finally came forward about what really happened on Berwyn Mountain in January 1974. They said their job was to recover any sensitive materials from the crash site and that this included finding several alien bodies in the wreckage that were carted away on trucks and taken to the Porton Down Biomedical Warfare Centre for analysis. Some locals also spoke up saying there had in fact been a substantial military presence in the surrounding villages at the time of the incident. Roads had been sealed off and people shepherded away from no-go areas. A few even reported seeing strange boxes being carried away in large military lorries. More recently, there have been reports of unidentified flying objects circling the Great Orm in Llandidno, North Wales. And there have even been claims that a large dome-shaped object about six and a half metres in diameter, is currently submerged within the Irish Sea and that it is responsible for the unexplained disappearances of fishing vessels and other boats in the area. But there's one question I know you all want an answer to. What happened to Brun? Well, she mysteriously returned in 1983. The weirdest thing, though, is that when she was examined by vets, she hadn't aged a day. Thank you for tuning in to Alexander Mabry's Tales from the Tower. If you've enjoyed this tale, please consider subscribing so you'll always get the latest episode as soon as they're released. And if you're listening to this via Apple, you'd be doing us a huge favour if you could leave a five-star rating and maybe even a cheeky review as well. I'll be with you again next Tuesday from 5am. My name is Elliot Randall Wood. <laughs>